0: Welcome to More Than A Few Words, a marketing podcast for small business owners. My name is Lorraine Ball, and I help small businesses become big businesses. And today, uh, you guys are really in for a treat. Joining me here is Hazel Walker. Good morning, Hazel. Good morning. And Hazel, besides being my good friend and a walking buddy, is also the author of an upcoming book called Business, Networking, and Sex, Not
1: What
2: You Think.
0: And we are going to be talking about sex and networking. Joining the conversation is also our Director of Marketing, Jay Mattingly.
2: You guys know I couldn't miss this one.
0: (laughs) And our Director of Communications, Allison Carter. Hey, everybody. And I'm going to tell you that um, uh, be prepared because Hazel and I like to have a little bit of fun, and Allison is here to play devil's advocate, and Jay's just lucky to be here. Thanks again.
2: Thanks again. (laughs) Are you? I'm
0: sitting at the adults table, and I love it. <laughs> so, Hazel, um, kind of as a setup, let's get started. Maybe uh, tell folks a little bit about kind of who you are, what they do, what you do, if they don't know you, and then also um, about this project and how the book came to be. Well, I've been working with people
1: since 1998 on building your business by referral. So I've written a lot of content, do a lot of training, a lot of coaching around that. And over the years, what I noticed were how men and women actually go through the process differently. And a friend of mine came along and he goes, man, I've been doing all this coaching with all these guys and these women about networking and building their business by your firm. He goes, they really do it different. We should write a book. So we did. We put it all together. We surveyed. We, we created a survey and put a survey out. We surveyed 12,000 people.
0: That is, I mean, we, we're running some surveys right now, and I will tell you 12,000 is a lot of responses. That's a lot of responses from every continent, Wow. from every single continent. And it
1: was pretty even, male and female. What was really surprising were, were how people answered the questions, but then we left the space for them to write comments. The comments that they left compared to the answers that they gave, very interesting. We got some extremely interesting comments, and you'll see a lot of them in the book.
0: So can you give us an example of, of maybe one of the comments that really got you thinking or, or, or made you uh, think differently about, well, you know, women are always saying, when I go to big
1: networking events, I feel like it's a meat market. Really? And I think, oh, they're just thinking that. Until a bunch of guys posted, it's always good to have one-to-ones with good-looking women. (laughs) Or one guy posted, whenever I'm at a networking event and I see an attractive woman and I start to talk to her, I begin to wonder, I can't even hear what she's saying because I can't stop thinking about if she's married or not. And so I start to look for her ring. And this says, I'm happily married with three children. I wish she would just open the conversation with, I'm married. Can we move to business? Oh. And I
0: thought, wow. Okay, and Al- Allison is making faces here. So, Allison, what are you thinking? I mean, what, what, is, what is that? Because, cause, uh, again, a little bit different generation, a little different perspective on this. But what do you think of when you hear people saying this, that guys are thinking that?
3: Well,
2: I mean, I think that we all know
3: that guys think about sex ones every six seconds. Every six seconds. Something yeah. like that. Okay. So, so how many times have you thought of sex? I mean, many,
1: oh, yeah, let's, let's, let's not answer that <laughs> question, please. Um, I do wonder if there are generational differences in that, however. Uh, didn't seem like it from the <laughs> beginning. <laughs> just like men are men around that. But then it was also, my comeback to that to some degree was, but you also see a lot of the women who come to networking events dressed like they're going to a nightclub. Oh, yes. And so, they, so to some degree, that kind of aggravates the whole situation. So it's, you know, it's kind of a counterbalance. We, we have to take responsibility as well as they have to take some responsibility. One guy said to me, I write in the book about how men are completely distracted by boobs. They can't help it.
4: It's yeah, true. <laughs>
1: they're distracted by boobs. And one of the guys said to me at a networking meeting, he goes, I-, I wouldn't be so distracted by them if you didn't put your name badge on them.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is, a, this is a real
1: problem that I think most ladies have. Where is do you put it? I recommended the forehead. Forehead name badges. I don't <laughs> want a mean. tattoo. A tattoo. Or men who just wear blinders. They go mm-hmm. like this so they can only see the name badge. But it is an issue. And men really... And, and every, Almost every time I speak on this, men will go. I'll go, men are distric- distracted by boobs, And they'll go, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> they
0: found this out. Okay. and what you guys missed there was the, um, along with that, yeah,
4: there Thank is you. a
0: head hanging. Because it's true. And, but, but going back to Allison's um, perspective, you know, coming out of an era when I grew up, started in business, everybody was wearing suits. Men, women, dogs, we all had suits on. And so it was perfectly natural to put that name badge, and you were taught exactly, you know, you put it on your, you put it on your right shoulder, and it looked fine on the. Yes, the reason right shoulder is because when you extend your hand to shake, your name badge moves forward. If you put it on your left shoulder, it moves away from them. It's harder for the person to read your name. Did you
2: know that? I did not know
0: that. Okay, well you guys have. Okay, we're gonna have to go back to networking 101. but one. Um, but. The point is that as we've gone to a more casual dress style, men still wear collared shirts, they still have pockets. It's a real challenge. I don't know. And the the, the, the necklaces that hang down, um, Mm -hmm. it's even worse because the lanyard hits right there. Right there, yeah. So I I don't know. Um, A lot of times, if I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt, I'll try to actually pin it higher up on the shoulder. Now, now keep in mind, all men, this, this is generalization. So,
2: I am being victimized by all the ladies sitting around this table right now. Guys, it's not true for all of us.
1: It is a generalization based on the content that we got and based right. on a lot of the other studies because we really went into a lot of other studies that other people have had. And there's been a lot of um, studies around men and what they're distracted by, and and how they are sexually distracted sometimes. But that wasn't the only thing. The other thing we learned was how men communicate differently. Men have a tendency to communicate to one another to impress. So man-to-man, they speak to impress. And once they're reasonably impressed with one another, they go forward and do business. Women speak to one another to relate. So they relate to one another, they find places where they can relate to one another, and then they go forward and create relationship. When a man speaks to a woman, she speaks to relate. He speaks to impress. She walks away going, they're so egotistical. And he walks away going, she's just not serious about her business.
0: You know, and it's interesting because I think both Allison and I struggle with this a little bit because we have what I would consider to be more male communication patterns. Um, Mine is a result of spending most of my professional career in engineering and heating and air conditioning and working with men. And so I do have a more down-to-business style. And so I get frustrated at women's networking events. Allison, what do you think about the way you approach it?
3: I mean, I agree. If I'm at a networking event, I'm there as a representative of my business, and ultimately, yes, I want to meet people, I don't want to have a good time, I want to build relationships,
1: but ultimately I'm there to help my business make money. Mm-hmm. Right. You're, you're there to do that. And women sometimes get lost in the whole concept of networking. They network to build relationships, and they forget to ask for the business. Men forget to build the relationship, they go straight for the business. And they do the relationship later. So it's, it's a different, it's just how we do it differently. The goal of the book is to bring more universal purity together so that we can network better with one another.
2: So you find that there are, I mean, naturally more roadblocks for men and women to overcome when they're communicating with each other as opposed to a man communicating with a man. I mean, does that really uh, make it tough? Because one of the things I'll say is, is a lot like Lorraine and Allison, I'm very comfortable working with women. I mean, I work in office full of them, So, so I, don't, right. I don't have a lot of trouble with that, but do you see that there are a lot of issues when men and women typically... But you also
1: don't have any trouble getting right down the business with guys either.
2: Right, right. Yeah. I actually find that I'm more comfortable working with women a lot of the time.
1: And I find that I'm I'm very comfortable working with men. Yeah. I don't mind that whole telling me things to impress me. It doesn't bother me, and I can move on. And I think that's what we have to figure out. But there are a lot of women who are put off by it, and there are a lot of men. You cannot believe how many comments men put in this survey that said, "You know, I just find that most women don't take their business serious." Wow.
2: And this is this is me doing research. But um, did you find any universal pet peeves that men or women have when they're networking, and something that the opposite sex does over and over and over again that just consistently annoys? No, for
1: the women, it was they don't look me in the eyes and they don't take me serious. That was key for them. For the men, it was um, they don't speak to me. They, they don't get down to business because that's what they want to do. That was a pet peeve for them. They, they just don't get down to business. And the other one for them was they um, actually one of the pet peeves for both sides was handshake. Oh, absolutely! Tons of comments about handshakes, both men and women. Okay, I'm going to
3: guess the men's words
1: that women didn't give firm handshakes. Is that right? But women also said they don't like it when they don't get firm handshakes.
0: Absolutely, I I hate I hate when when a man gives me that little limp thing because he thinks he's afraid to hurt me. I'm like, really? You know, I want to go wash my hands after I get the dead fish thing. Well, no. for
2: certain guys that are really, really strong. It's a real concern. I happen to have to go through this every time I go to a networking event. So that's we're just looking out for your best interest. No,
0: you're coming across as creepy. I'm sorry. Got it. You,
2: know you <laughs> This is why I asked the question. Okay. It.
0: But a good
1: handshake was a pet people on both sides, and I was surprised how equal that
2: was right. from both
1: sides. Women did not like a weak handshake. Men did not like a weak handshake, but here's the conversation I had with one of my co-authors. He goes, you know, that's that's interesting. He goes, I taught my son how to shake hands. I taught him what it, my son what it meant to do a good handshake because I never taught that to my daughters. My parents did. I did not teach it to my daughters, and so he's gone back and taught his daughters how to do a good, firm handshake the proper way. So, part of that is men have been trained from early ages, and many women have not.
0: Well, and also, uh, it is an an interesting uh, sort of societal thing. Uh, One of the things I know, kind of as we were going through some of the training, um, when I was back in my corporate days, we typically told the guys, when you are meeting with a woman, you don't extend your hand first, because some women are going to be uncomfortable with it. Um, they, They don't want to. Men... Always, but what we always taught women was: you have to, if you want to do the handshake, you have to extend your hand first, because there are a lot of guys that are going to hold back. And Allison is making faces at me. Religious women in certain sets don't shake hands mm-hmm. with a man. And it's true, but I don't. I haven't run into a whole lot of them in the Indianapolis networking community. Um, southern women, older Southern women. Uh, I don't see it as much on the East Coast, but older Southern women. They don't shake hands. There's still
1: either. a lot of tradition around it. But you still,
0: don't see it in your age anymore. But and that that is that is some, But that's why women weren't taught to shake hands. No. And it was, I mean, it wasn't something you thought about. And so, particularly ten and fifteen years ago, that was kind of the coaching. And I still, um, I still always shake hands, particularly when I'm meeting an older gentleman because they're never sure of the protocol. Yeah, so it's
1: just, you know, it's just that whole conversation around shaking hands. Then two other things we learned were
0: um, how how men and women define relationships. Oh, we have a a question. Hold that thought. Hi, you're on the air. I'm sorry for keeping you waiting. Did you have a question for Hazel?
4: I did. Uh, This is big. I mean, uh, Bob uh, Kokomo, I do have a question. Oh, I mean, let me ask you this. does gender play a part in business negotiations?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's huge. Uh, there's actually a couple books out about that. Women Don't Ask, and When She Wins, We All Win. In a lot of negotiation, men negotiate much quicker than women do. And I think I just actually wrote a blog about women don't ask. So women get paid less money because they don't negotiate their wages when they get hired. Where a man never accepts the first offer, they almost always negotiate for a better price and a, a better salary, so negotiations that's a big key. men are naturally doing more of it than women do, so women have to learn that
4: but and are women perceived and i 'm going ask I have an idea of the answer um, you feel they're perceived differently when they are strong negotiators, and they do have the male characteristics that are seen in the office place uh, uh-huh
1: they are, and they they're often referred as a different thing Um,
0: probably rhymes with which I I think that um, stands for boys I'm taking charge here oh I like that I I think that um, in my you know my experience more on on the corporate side um, when you were a strong woman even if you were exemplifying exactly the same behavior that men exemplified you got labeled that way while he got labeled um, strong, strong assertive, assertive, and leadership take control. Um, I also think um, that idea, and I, I think that may be um, generational. I think there is less of that. It's starting to change. Yeah, yeah, but there's still um, uh, a lot, but a but lot of women that don't, and I see that with business owners. Even mm-hmm.
1: younger women are not negotiating their salary. They take what is offered. They just. We're It's just natural. We're relators and you're hunters. We're gatherers, you're hunters. Men are hunters, women are gatherers. And we build community and collaboration, and men tend to be lone wolves and they go out and, and seek out what they're looking for. And they get it and bring it home.
4: Now, I these okay. men, let's say the men who are, who are seen as weak who show the female characteristics, are they seen differently by females in the office as well?
3: Uh, that's
4: yeah, so a serious you know,
2: question. That's a think, serious question. No, absolutely. Um, I feel I feel odd being the one looked at to answer this, um, <laughs> but I think that um, for me, I, I uh, am, am pretty good at relating with the women I work with. I hope, and I think that being able to kind of empathize sometimes with and communicate with them—I don't want to say on their level, but just be able to communicate with There's them. Like, yeah, within their style, I think that kind of gives me an advantage um, because they're much more open to, to sharing things with me and being honest. And honesty is a big priority because we want to put out the best work possible. So, so having those characteristics, I think, has benefited me and given me an advantage.
0: I think one of the quirky things about uh, one of the quirky things about uh, Roundpeg is um, the women here, particularly Allison and I. Have what I would consider more male communication styles, and when Taylor was here, it was the same thing. Taylor and Jay were definitely um, had a more female communication style. They tended to be uh, much more relators. and in when we did disc profiles with Hazel, um, that was really clear. Both of them were very, very high on that relationship scale, and Allison and I, it's not our natural, so it. It creates a very interesting um, communication cycle that I'm not sure is replicated in large numbers around the community or or the world in general.
3: I mean, I think it's a great thing because when I'm working with a client
0: who's upset
3: or who needs hand-holding or needs to be stepped very calmly and patiently through someone, I simply don't have the skills necessary to placate that customer to make them feel as special as I know that Jay can. So people sitting here wearing a yin-yang ring, I think that Jay and the rest of the office really balance each other Mm -hmm. nicely with the the male and the female. And that's why I dislike the whole notion of traditional gender roles. I think that it's, Lorraine hesitated before saying that Jay had a female communication pattern. That seems embarrassing. I'm
4: a girl. I, I guess girl. I guess I'm looking. I guess it's different on a in a small uh, setting as both of you guys are in, involved with, whereas in a larger environment. Um, being able to adjust, you know, I mean, is a is a very uh, important tool to those different types of communication styles. But on the larger environments, I mean, you really you'd have no choice of who you work with and what projects you're on. People with. Um, I mean, I guess my question was more of directed up the people who are not the males who have the, the the their dominant role that female role. That's how they communicate. You know what I mean? Like, is you like what Jay was? I'm assuming, is that Jay talking? I'm assuming. Yeah,
2: the one and only.
4: Well, I mean, what Jay was talking about, you're able to adjust to come, to your, adjust your communication style. But what about the males who are not able to do that? Who have a strictly uh, feminine style, where they're more relationship based? How do you think they're seen in the, in the business community? Well, they don't, I don't, they don't I, have. And that, you know what I'm saying? I guess they don't have that. They, that strong tendency. It's more of a uh, just that different style.
2: Yeah, that's just Please a different out. style.
4: Okay, well, I thank, thank you. you. I, Julie, I'm going to hang up now. I don't know what to say. That'd be out. Thank,
0: you. thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. Take care. Um, I think, you know, one, one final note on that. I think uh, regardless of whether it's networking or business environments, I think people who are flexible, who um, can anticipate and match another person's style are going to be more effective? Right, when we can match each other. And that's the point of the book, is learning to match each other's style. Women want
1: men to listen. Men want women to speak up. That's the, that's the difference. If we can match that, if we can begin to do that, it will allow us to create more business for one another. If women just speak up and say what they want, and men will just stop and listen, just because she tells Mary Kay doesn't mean she's not serious about her business. And we can't just make automatic assumptions about that. And we've had a lot of Mary Kay people who commented on that. Like, mm-hmm. no one ever takes me serious, but I drive a Cadillac and I manage 40 people. Mm-hmm. So she takes it just as serious. Absolutely. She's just a relator and a team builder.
3: I am curious, within your study, did you take into account sexual preference?
1: We did not take in sexual preference. We didn't ask the question mm-hmm. because... We just didn't. It's a
3: little sensitive, but it would have been interesting. Yeah,
1: and we've already decided that there's no survey going to be out there. What we did find out was most people felt that they were very comfortable networking with the opposite sex. I mean, (laughs) hands down, they said, I'm comfortable networking with the opposite sex. But the comments and the training that we do did not say that. So we had to actually do a second little survey that we sent out that said, do you think that other people are comfortable networking with the opposite sex? What do you think the comeback was on that?
2: Absolutely not.
1: No. I'm comfortable, but none of them are comfortable.
3: Solid
1: So we see ourselves as one way, but we see the rest of the world as something else. And it's the perception. So that was very, very enlightening to get that piece of information because it just required we do another survey, a really quick survey. The Two other things were women felt that um, how we define success men define the success by the dollars they make women define success by uh, how they how many relationships they built that they could count on that they could go to
0: you know what Alice is sitting here behaving like no 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 it's not create videos to promote it, helps her find other speaking opportunities. So the relationship, whether she realizes it or not, she's good at it. And if you ever go to a
1: nursing home, you will see this. Men, when they go to retirement centers, have one or two friends. Women have friends. When they retire, they have lots of friends because they don't differentiate work from friendship. Men have work relationships
0: and friends. That is true. I will agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. My, um, actually, um, when I first moved here and I was working all the time, at first I felt like I had no friends and then I realized I had plenty of friends. I just worked with all of them. And 15 years later, those are still people I go to dinner with, I hang out with. They're your friends. They're my friends. Even when you retire, they'll still be your friends. But for guys that
1: doesn't work that way quite often they, they have fewer friends in retirement than women do because they don't maintain those relationships outside the business. So that was a that was very enlightening to learn. That we it was just a fascinating book to write. It should come out in January. I, I can't wait to actually read it in print. <laughs> I'm tired of writing it
0: so better to just read it. Um because 'cause we've got about five minutes. Any other questions that you guys had for Hazel?
2: Um, we touched on it a couple different times, but we didn't really dig into it. Uh, generational differences. You said that um, it's starting to turn a little bit with the way that male, male and female roles are viewed. Can you touch a little more on? Yeah,
1: you know what I see, and I think this is going to be a future survey. So there, I see a future one coming out here. Generational differences, because when I grew up, most of my women role models did not own businesses. They maybe worked outside of the home, but mostly they stayed home. So I did not have, and Lorraine probably did not have, a lot of female role models. Your generation had female role models today to teach you and mentor you how to do business and connect. Men have been in business forever, so they've had lots of role models. So it's starting to change in the generations, mostly because our generation has started the trend of female business owners where that has never been the case in the past.
2: What's funny about that is I have mostly <laughs> female <laughs> business role models. Yeah. yeah so. So no
1: business role models. Yeah. So I think over the hall
3: you were intimidated by a first oh, right?
2: terrified.
3: Whereas yeah. I, because I had a mother who may be the same person as Lorraine, <laughs> but certainly came from she wasn't a business owner but was an executive. Mm-hmm. So for me, I wasn't intimidated by Lorraine at all because I already had those role models,
1: whereas you didn't. Good point. Because yeah, and I think that's gonna be the key and I think as generations continue, we'll start to see more. But you just gotta keep in mind naturally we we communicate differently. It's mm-hmm. just the nature of and That, will change. that yeah. will change.
3: Allison, last question. Women-only networking events, why are they necessary? And what would happen if there were men-only networking events?
0: Women-only. What
1: we found was women-only networking events, because there's a lot of women who are intimidated about networking with men. They're truly intimidated. And they feel like when they're in an all-women's group, they can get the support they need. They want support and community. They're not really looking for that business networking event so they put together female networking events as a way to support one another more than anything
0: but I think I, I think to Allison's point um, and men have had all-male networking
1: organizations for years. Rotary was all male until like
0: 1989 well but a lot of things were all male until so it doesn't happen these days yeah correct I mean but that's, that's the thing is if, if, if women start Alpha Chicks or some other women's networking event, we all just kind of go, oh, okay. But if guys started an all-male networking event, women would, we would eject, Rachel. Would you? I think the whole concept
3: is stupid, so I wouldn't, but I'm an outlier.
1: But I'm also the person who thinks, why do we have more than one kind of chamber of commerce? Aren't we all just people doing business?
0: But, you know, I mean, but you're right, there's a, there's a Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, there's a black NBA association. And I think that in networking, in, in community building in general, there are times I want to play in the entire community, and there are times I just want to hang out with people mm. like me. Yep. Um, and,
1: and so we get what we need from all the different organizations, mm-hmm. and that's really the key to it. We just honor all of them and know that everybody gets what they need from different ones.
0: All right. Closing thoughts. Last point. Last point is men and women. We, if you only
1: network with women or you only network with men, you're losing fifty percent of the population. So just we have to men have to just listen and women just have to ask and speak up for what they want. And that for me was one of the key points.
0: Awesome, Hazel. So thank you so much for joining us. If you want to learn more about her opinions and ideas, you can find them on HazelMWalker.com. You can follow her on Twitter at at HazeWalker. And uh, do watch for the book. It will be coming out in January. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast and would like to learn more about marketing, networking, sales, or social media, be sure to check out our blog at www.Roundstead.biz.